Hello everyone and welcome back to Straight White Whale. My name is Darren Connell and this is my podcast, well our podcast, Paul and I. This is episode 36 and it's good to be back. Before we get into the madness and tell you all what we've all been up to because we've had a couple of weeks off, the podcast today is sponsored by Back Onside. You'll see their wee logo at the top right or top left of the screen. Yep. Top right? Top left. Top left. Red group. <laughs> um, <laughs> Back Onside are a Scottish charity that deal with mental health. They're fantastic. I've used them and I've worked with them. Libby is an amazing person that's done so much for the Scottish community. She works with football teams and sports people, all that type of stuff. If you go on their website and you might be struggling with stuff, there's a list of things like Alcoholics Anonymous, The Samaritans, all these Scottish charities that could help you if you feel like you need help. Back on side can help you as well. So their information will be up on the screen and there will be a wee link on the podcast stuff um, with, with all their stuff there. So go and check them out. And I know that um, they're not on back the Back On Side website, but Brothers In Arms do all that stuff as well. And you can check out Brothers In Arms. So thank you very much. Let's get into the madness, Paul. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. long was that? That was two weeks. Two full weeks, sorry. 14 days. Mm-hmm. Did you miss me, baby? I did. I missed you as well. Did you? Yeah. Good. I, fe- I felt like I needed... I mean, I felt like, yeah, I needed that. Needed a FaceTime call or something? No, I realised it got toxic. <laughs> <laughs> I needed 14 days. The codependency. We broke, we broke it. Yeah, we broke we, the codependent <laughs> relationship. <laughs> we broke the ring. The ring. Um, so you went away on holiday... <laughs> With your girlfriend broke the ring that did not sound good, good mate, no. yeah um you went away on holiday for two weeks and i had covid so we'll get into the covid situation first i found it very funny that i came in here on the previous podcast i've started calorie counting and eating healthier and to be honest mate it was you that kind of got me into that just talking about your own uh your own stuff Right. And I was like, Good. fuck it. But then I started Googling like calorie counting and realized how popular it is. Mm-hmm. So I started calorie counting. Like anything in my life, I went into the deep end, came <laughs> into the fucking studio and I was fucked. And I was like, oh my God, man, I think I'm like going through this weird detox. Aye, man, I remember it now. You were like, I've got a sore heat. I think it's the sugar or something like Aye, because I, I wasn't drinking coffee and I wasn't eating sugar, but because I'm calorie counting, I'm drinking coffee and I'm eating sugar now. I'm just within my range. But I was like, God, I can't believe, like, my muscles are aching. Like, I'm fucked. And uh, it, it started to hit me when I was doing the podcast. I actually listened to the podcast and I was coughing and shit. I never even realised. Right. So by the time I walked it home, I walked it for the studio to my house. And by the time I got in the flat, I just broke out in this mad sweat. And I was like, that's not a fucking sugar detox. Mm-hmm. That is not a sugar detox. You know how we were talking about um, pot noodles? Uh-huh. Tuna and pot noodles? Uh-huh. I got a Bombay bad boy walking up the road because I was like, I want a pot noodle. <laughs> it's been fucking nine years. <laughs> I started eating the Bombay bad boy mm-hmm. and I was like, that's not even spicy. And then I thought, wait a minute, 
I can't even taste that. Oh no. And right. I thought, oh so you lost your taste and smell, did you? Taste, smell, and crazy fever sweats and a mental cough. I gave myself a test that night. I tested positive and that was me. I was absolutely fucked for ten days. But I basically lay in the couch for like ten days, mate. Mm-hmm. And I was still calorie counting. So right. I was like, if I don't move and I'm on this couch, the next time I'm on this podcast, I'm going to look like fucking sloth for the goonies. <laughs> so <laughs> it made me like stick to the calorie counting. So that's been like 23 days. Oh, amazing. But fucking hell, man. The COVID was intense, mate. Like Aye, man. mental. Like I've, I think early kind of lockdown and stuff, there was a couple of times I lost my sense of my my smell and stuff and my taste mm-hmm. but no like that it was the first two days the cough was mental and i did think like if i was an old person vulnerable or like disabled or something mm-hmm. you're in trouble big time because mm-hmm. it was intense but i'm like i feel like i'm just fit enough to kind of push through it right aye. so the first two days were wild and then after the two days it just felt like a really really bad cold right but i it was fucking how rough, did mate. you survive staying on your own do you know it was really weird mate it was weird 10 days in the house by myself uh how did you get food when i walked you know when i bought the pot in the door i got a shop and so <sighs> thank fuck i right i got a shop in and the and the fridge was stacked for stuff for aldi so I did feel like I was in a wee prison cell though, like old boy. Have you seen old boy? Uh-huh. I felt like old boy, just like <laughs> three meals a day, a snack, and just watching Netflix. Uh, but I, it was it was intense, mate, and it was weird because the fifth, I was like, no way, I'm getting used to this. This is quite enjoyable. Aye, right. And then the fifth, sixth day, I started to. Felt, felt like I was gone mental. Right, aye, pure, I need to get out, need to aye. do something. Like muttering to myself and all that when I'm eating fucking my dinner. <laughs> I'm like, aye, I need to talk to some kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> I need somebody to talk to you. But towards the end, I, feel, I felt like it ended perfectly and I was like, God, even when I went out for a walk, I still felt rough. Mm. And I was like, fucking hell, man, that floored me. Aye, man, brutal. Have you had COVID? No, no, yeah, mate. And I, I was in the room with you. I and know, then mate. I was in the room... The day before with Kieran, Kieran got it. And I'm like, how the fuck am I not getting this? Mate, I slept in the same bed as my birthday had it. I didn't catch it. I'd, I've got no idea what the fuck is going on. Aye. Unless I've had it and I've just no known or something like that. Uh-huh. It's just not been that bad. But aye, I was like, oh no, man. I'm going to, I was like, I knew it. I'm going to fucking test positive and not be able to go on this holiday. But my heart, I'll be honest with you, mate, my heart sank. See, because you were fault, like, mate, fuck, I you know, know I mean? but you were getting it. I'm in holiday mode. Your eyes were pure bright white. <laughs> Aye, because you were the last thing that I did before, Aye. like other than editing and doing shit on my laptop. But I, this was the last thing that I done before I went away for two weeks. But I, I was like to myself, I'm gonna fucking test positive here. I'm not gonna be able to go. But I didn't. I was actually like, ah, should I just no test? Aye. And then I, I was, did think I thought I thought that as well. I was like, maybe I shouldn't tell him. But then you would. Maybe kill half the cunts on the well, plane. Well, that's so. exactly my morals was just that Sunday as well. And then I was going to transmit on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. So I was like, no, I need to test, man. Can I imagine if it was like fucking 
some mad super spreader was that fucking transmit then on a flight to grant they built to tra- track me <laughs> do you know what i mean Aye. um but no i took a test man nothing i was like thank fuck for that but um i mate, it's it's mental mate i've had i mean we're sitting here the new but 26th of july th- this morning i've had two cancellations for podcasts this week people with covid everybody's getting that i'm just I'm, running rampant i did think like how could i get it where could i get it went to an AA meeting and people are very cuddly and touchy a couple of cuddles and stuff like you know that way you get people that cuddle you without even warning you I'm like i don't really know that cunt man mm-hmm. he's fucking full-blown smooching me here mm-hmm. uh so i think i might i caught it off somebody in an AA meeting but there's no point in even thinking about it I tell you what, though, I do feel better for getting it. I felt like it's broke down some type of mental barrier, thinking, do you know what, it's tough, but you can get through it. Like, before I got it, I was like, I don't want to be hooked up to a fucking ventilator. Ah, right, ah, you mean, like, I for actually getting COVID, like, anxiety, like, health anxiety, but I thought you were going to say, like, a lot of people have said that they've got it, and then they've had, like, a renewed sort of zest for life, because... It's a life-threatening virus, and then they get it and they come out the other side. No, I actually like life isn't that bad. Do you know what I mean? I've I've heard a couple of people say that. Like, yeah. I had mental health problems or issues before it, and then I caught it, and because I thought I could die here, I don't mm. want to die. It's what do they call it? Life affirming. No, I'm st- I'm still dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still horrifically dead inside. It mm. might have took away my taste and my smell, but it also took away my love for life. So. <laughs> you're blaming covid Aye. that fucking AA meeting um what's the cigar situation are you still off of cigars still off of cigars mate how did somebody see me no just the, the you, get, you get people out watching i mate i've got my spies no it was just like maybe i would say a couple of weeks ago but no like two podcasts ago you were like oh had a couple of cigars and like and i know what you like i had a couple of cigars I... right i was thinking four weeks you're going to be like I'm having like three a day. Sorry, right, but it's just three a day. <laughs> I'm on edible tobacco. Uh, <laughs> Snuff. No, I had a packet. I got a packet. I don't know why. And it wasn't for stress. I just done that. Fuck it. It's the weekend. I'm getting cigars. It was one of the ones. Right, and I smoked it Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but I've not had it since. I mean, I'm looking at my, my calorie tracker there. I've been calorie tracking for 24 days. Mm-hmm. So I've not had a cigar for over 24 days. Brilliant, man. So you weighing yourself? I've not weighed myself. The last time I weighed myself was the... I did the podcast mm-hmm. and I weighed myself with Nathaniel. I've no right. weighed myself since then. Uh, I do feel like I've lost weight. Mm-hmm. Like, not um, massive amounts. I need to be... I need to remind myself that I was 10 days no moving as well, but I was still in a calorie deficit. Deficit. I've been between 2,000 to 2,200 a day. I used the the James Smith calorie thing when you put in your height and your weight. Right. And I was 3,000 calories a day. Maintenance? Aye. Right. And I just put it down to 2,200. Right. So I take it that's a deficit. Aye, well, it's an 800 calorie deficit. And I think for every 1,000 calories, you're in a deficit rule of thumb obviously there's variables you 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 lose a pound so that would be every every three days you lose a pound well so that means that um so 
two a week, two pounds a week, fourteen pounds. So that means like what seven weeks you'll lose a stone. There you go. So keep going with it. I know that I've lost weight because this is a double XL, right? Right. I've got an XL one of uh -huh. these in the flat, and I put it on in the flat, and it fits us, but it doesn't quite fit me. Aye, I know what you mean. It fits me when I'm stoning up. Aye, <laughs> it's no comfortable. Aye, you feel that uncomfortable way. Like aye. if you were sitting down, you'd be like, oh, I'll try to claw it out and all that. Like aye, if aye. I if I was sitting down wearing it, there'd be a left tit poking out the top of this t-shirt. <laughs> but it still fits. Aye, aye. <laughs> so I am getting That's there. Good, mate. That's so, good. Anyway, moving on for COVID and all that shit. How was your holiday? It was fucking amazing, mate. I mean, it was like paradise, really. It was like the the far end of the island at Gran Canaria. So it took us forever to fucking get there. But it was like an old fishing village um, called Tehran. Um, and they've got like a wee bit that they've sort of carved out because the Canary Islands are volcanic rock. So they're just mountains and shit. Mm -hmm. um, they've carved it out, put a couple of hotels. But it was really quiet. Um, knowing, a, knowing a volume of people way, it was busy. The hotels were busy. But it was a quiet bit, a Gran Canaria. You know what I mean? People weren't there like steaming and shouting and it was like families. Um, it was all inclusive. Have you ever been all inclusive before? Yes. On a holiday? See the way like, you know, like they had rabbit and you're like, why is there rabbit? They had yeah. like duck and you're like, right, where's the steak? You know about that? They had like weird shit. Aye, like but squid and all that. You like aye, they had fucking seafood salad and it had squid and all that in it. Uh, breakfast were fine, so we just ended up going down to a wee place at the beach, just like a wee beach sort of hut place. Food was fucking banging, and it was cheap as fuck. We just went there every night, pretty much. But um, it was it was good, mate. It was a couple of days too long. Yeah, like I got to the point where it's like, right, I'm done sitting by the pool here. I've read my book. I feel like I've relaxed. Yeah. Um, it was too hot to really do much. Or was that ultimate chill out? Like total aye. chill out? Aye, it was, um, I mean, it's like, I do so much in life. Do you know what I mean? Like if I have time off, now you get people that get time off and they're like, I'm going to do stuff in my time off. I'm like, I want to relax. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it got to the point where we went to the water park, we went to the beach, we went jet skiing, we went out on a boat, and it was just kind of like you were waiting to get home. So you're like that type of way, we were just yeah. sitting by the pool, and it was like, right, I'm just kind of waiting to get home. Plus, literally, my cats all at my wings, and I was like, I want to get home and see the cats. I miss my babies. 100%. You're looking very healthy, by the way. So anytime I come back for a holiday, I look like I've had a, an allergic reaction to something. <laughs> Do you know, take a tan? This is my tan fading, I suppose. No, I take a be. tan, but like the la you're talking about an all-inclusive holiday. The last time I went on a holiday that was all-inclusive was Bulgaria. Right. And it was all-inclusive, obviously. But my shirt, I had a beautiful shirt and it fitted me. It was very baggy. And by the end of the holiday, it was just completely open. We, I skipped part back to front. Like, you remember Always Sunny in Philadelphia uh -huh. when Mac get fat uh -huh. and he's like in the middle of the dance floor? That was me. He rips his shirt open and sort of relaxes. Like, aye. Because oh. it was like squid for my breakfast. Right. Like, I mean, I, I lost weight, I think. Yeah. I, I lost weight because the, the stuff that was good was like eggs, you know, like toast for breakfast. But then see, like, 
the dinners, the stuff that was really good was like vegetables, potatoes. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't like eating shit. Um, so I think I actually lost some weight while I was there. But I did get into that sort of like one o'clock cocktail habit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I came home and I was like, there was a lot of bevy. You know what I mean? Do you know what, mate? Fuck it. It's holiday. Oh, mate, 100%. I'm no fucking, I'm no like feeling down about it or anything like that. I fucking deserved it. I worked Aye. for it. Um, but um, I, I, like I said, I just got to that point where I was just like, I would rather be in my own house now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've done all the holiday shit. The sunshine doesn't impress me. What like, was the reaction of your cats when you walked through the oh, house? fuck me, man. They were like, one of them. So I've got, <laughs> I've got two cats, right? Salem and Binks. And uh, Salem is like my mirror. He's pure stoic. People are like, you know, come in and, oh, he's beautiful. He's just like, don't touch me. Do you know what I mean? Aye. Like people go to clap him. They like dodges their claps and stuff like that. Um, you need to work hard for him to be affectionate. And that is 100% what I'm like in life. And then Binks is like a mirror in my bird. He's just pure mushy, just flops <laughs> and just wants claps and cuddles and, so when we walked in, Salem was in a wee mood. Like, where the fuck have you been? Do you know Aye. what I mean? Like, see, for a couple of hours, he was just sort of like looking at his shoulder, being his wee side eyes. And then about, after we'd been home for about an hour, he was pure, right, I'm ready. And he was pure, oh, errors. But Binks was just, the two of them were just meowing, what the fuck, when we walked through the door. But the rescues, like, I think I've said on the pod before, I took them, my uncle, man, he died of cancer, and then my uncle died of COVID. And I rescued them. Yeah. So they, I think they had a wee bit of abandonment. They don't like it when you're not there. Yeah. Um, when you come in, there's been Amsterdam earlier on in the year, and the same thing happened. Looking through the door, and Salem was like, "No, fuck off. Where have you been? You know, Aye. you've got some questions to answer." Um, but it was good to see them. They bring so much joy, mate. I, I've, I've get, I honestly, see if people struggle and they don't have animals, get a wee animal. Yeah. They bring. A, a lot to you like a wee bit of purpose because you need to take care of them you need to feed them and blah 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 but see even sometimes man i just sit and look at them and you're just i'm walking around the road for here for the studio and i just think about going through the door and seeing them and just have a wee smile on my face like they genuinely make you happy and buying them treats and toys and all that yeah. and you're like aye this is good it's weird how you're saying they're similar to you and your girlfriend that's like a a weird quantum leap episode aye and think about that we didn't raise them aye it wasn't like you could understand maybe if you're like i will use raised them but banks was seven eight and uh, salem was like five and six when we got them so it's not that we fucking raised them but it is really funny and salem is like my shadow mm-hmm. and banks is her shadow so it's totally it's weird how it's worked out that is like quantum leap i know man your cat looks in the mirror and it's just your bird looking just, back at I, <laughs> it's just me oh boy meow meow but no i love them man and i i was just sitting i had somebody coming in feeding them twice a day but they need a lot of attention mm-hmm. like, cats dogs as well man they need a lot of love a lot of attention and they didn't get it for 10 days do you know what i mean so yeah i was feeling a bit like like make sure they're all right so that was your holiday and it went well good mm-hmm. on you what was transmit like? Because I don't think I've spoke to you about that. No. Um, Here, uh, Lewis Capaldi looks like he's fucking had a, an allergic reaction. <laughs> Stung by a bee. <laughs> um, I, I hear I'm no mocking Lewis, by the way. I say I say that because I seen him, right? And I'm like, ah, 
Aye, I get it. I get it. I can completely get it. <laughs> oh, you mean you mean like me and him? Like Aye. I know I know what's going through, what's happening here. Aye, like sometimes you see him and you're like, yeah, handsome boy, and then other times you see him and you're like, oh. I'm not going to continue. You know I say? Cancelled. You've been smoking smack. <laughs> <laughs> um, I went on the Saturday. It, it was weird. I had like a a VIP guest list for uh -huh. a mutual friend. No, a mutual friend from a friend of mine that was playing at Transmit. Um, and I had sent him a DM. It's weird to see like the pure law <clears throat> attraction stuff. I sent him a DM saying, "Listen, mate, I really want to come and see you at Transmit, so I'm going to just get a day ticket." the Saturday and he was like you're the only person that's come into my DMs no asking for a guest list so I'm going to give you a guest list and Amazing. I was like no you don't need to do that mate and he was like no mate and he was like I can't believe that you would pay a hundred quid to come and see me do a set at a festival and I was like it's your first major festival mate I want to be there he's like I will I'll make sure that you that you come along you don't need to part with 9650 or whatever it was Amazing. The that's the boy that's a rapper isn't he? Aye Bems so if anybody wants to go and check them out, man. Aye, because I think I, we follow each other. When you say we're mutual friends, we're mutual followers. I follow right. him because I know he does a podcast here. And he's a good guy, isn't he? Aye, he's a great guy. Aye, he's a good He's a guy. lovely guy. He does a lot of sort of stuff. Um, we Are Here Scotland, which is sort of uh, promoting people of colour. Yeah. You know, like through creative endeavours. Because, I mean, Bems is one of the first proper black Glaswegian even though he's no Glaswegian, but coming out of Glasgow's music scene. Yeah. And I find that incredible, mate. It's 2022 and we've never had anybody that's really made it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm a seasoned festival goer. I went to Tea in the Park for 10 years in a row. I played at multiple festivals, Glastonbury, Redden and Leeds. I've been to every major festival in the UK for sure. Wickerman, Rockness. Um, and I've got to say it was fucking garbage. Transmit I was not was expecting terrible, that, mate. That surprised me. Me and Sean had a great day. Like, mm. we had a couple of drinks. We started about in the sun. We had the VIP guest passes so we could go for a piss in the nice toilets. We had, like, a beanbag area and stuff like that. But see, as far as, like, the lineup, it was fucking treacherous, man. Yeah. Um, Bems was fucking excellent. There's tons of footage on social media. Go and see, like, he managed to get First stone, a couple of hundred people there. Everybody just eased themselves into the day, but then the set cuts were throwing pints about and all that. It was fucking class. Um, and one thing's good about Bems is he platforms people, so he got a couple of mates up to do a couple of their songs. Amazing. And I think about like your first major festival appearance, you've got half an hour and you give 10 minutes to people. That That's amazing, man. It's fucking class, isn't it? Aye. Um, but we were He's sharing the love, isn't he? He's like, uh, I've got an amazing chance of a lifetime here i want to spread the joy and what was really amazing was after he set that riverside stage just emptied of people so they were all there to see him which amazing. for the people that were on after him not so great but because i've been there yeah. <laughs> i've been that person walking onto the stage where the people that were on before you have got a fucking packed out stage and then you're playing to fucking nobody but selfishly as him being my mate it was great to see but to get back to why i didn't enjoy it was um I enjoyed the day, but as a music festival, it was just a lineup, mate. Like the best act of the day was example. Wow, that's and I'm 
I'm not slagging example. He's just no my cup of tea. Yeah. But he came out and he put on a show and he had a DJ and they were playing like club classics and then he was playing one of his tunes and then he was doing like a sort of cover and he got the place bouncing. But the strokes, they were fucking awful, mate. mate God I awful. I can't believe that, man. That's mental. Come on, didn't give a fuck. Come on, with no energy. I mean, they're not exactly going to, it's not the type of music you're going to come on and you're going to be fucking jumping about, right? It's the strokes. Yeah. But he came on, he sat down for like the first two songs, just sat on the drum riser, just singing. And then he was said something about the atmosphere was shite. And it's like, the band that was on before you, like uh, uh, Fountains DC, the Snuts example, the, the atmosphere's been electric. Yeah. And it, they just sucked the atmosphere at the place, man. It was so weird. He said something about we would rather be playing in the Barrowlands and playing this and that. And you're just like, fuck off, mate. Imagine saying that. Like, God knows how much they're getting paid for that. Even just say 40 grand or something, right? To say that on a stage is shocking. Mm -hmm. Like, shut the fuck up. Go on with what you're, what you're doing. But um, I went to see Jimmy Eat World. They were brilliant. I love Jimmy Eat World. Yeah. Um, Maximo Park. Yeah. And they were good, but it's just that kind of way where you're like, Jimmy Eat World. Fucking best material was out in 2001, 2000, Maximal Park, 2004, 2005. Example, 2008, 2010. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Snuts, no my thing, but they, they fucking smashed it. Um, but it, it just, it was just that, I just came home sort of going, seen like three bands there. Yeah. Just stoted about the rest of the day. So, so you thought it was shite because of the bands and it wasn't because of the punters? Aye, the quality of the acts, really. Yeah. Um, there were, and I mean, it sold out, and I get that, but there was points at that main stage where you were trying to get from one side of the main stage to the other to like meet people and that, and you couldn't move. Mm -hmm. It was just so busy. I don't, I don't know if they oversell it or whatever, but I don't know, man. I, I just, as somebody that loves music, loves going to see live music, I was left disappointed by it, but I had a great day. Yeah. So as like a day, a day out, you know, as like a spectacle, with a laugh. Um, had a good time but I was just a bit like is that the quality of a music festival yeah. nowadays man just like that gives shy. me the fear man because I'm expecting a comedy tent to pop up there soon uh, because there's always been comedy tea in the park I think I did comedy tea in the park oh, did you? before it get it get cancelled aye because it went up to the it moved location it was at a castle Strath Blair or something Strath so, something wasn't it? and we were in a comedy tent mate and then, you know what I had a good gig but well, it was a 600 fucking tent. Right. And it was only 70 people in. Right. Like mental, mate. Well, the crowd were great. The atmosphere was good. Yeah. If you walk past, like, do you know where I looked mace jumping? The sort of, it isn't even, a, it wasn't even like a, like a dance bus. That was bouncing all day. Mm -hmm. It looked like great atmosphere. So see if they did put a comedy tent on at Transmit, mm -hmm. I think it would, it would be all right in that regard because the crowd are great. The people yeah. that are gone are fucking up for it. But the just the quality of the acts, it was just a bit of a letdown. Like I first I know that it's hard to compare, and this is you I'm getting into that this territory of like well and Maddie. But fuck dude. I remember one year at Teen the Park. Back when I was a boy. Aye. I remember I <laughs> totally, but I remember <laughs> one year at Teen the Park. We went for the main stage, right? It was uh, Feeder, 
who are fucking brilliant live band. Then we went to the second stage and it was like back to back. Weezer, The Proclaimers, Paul Weller. And the, the place was fucking jumping. Yeah. And then you went from there to the main stage and it was Catatonia and the Stereophonics. That was like a full day for like 11 o'clock to 11 o'clock where you were going from band to band to band to band. Even if I just pick another one, there was one year where you had the choice between going to see The Prodigy. I say that wrong all the time. <laughs> I'm the same. James Brown or Green Day. James Brown. That was the three acts. Fucking the main hell. stage was Green Day. The King Tuts or the BBC Radio 1 stage was the Prodigy. That's not how you say it. It's Prodigy. Prodigy. Fucking always get that back to back. Or you could go to the King Tut's Wawa Hut tent and see James Brown. And the headlight, I it's just it's that way where you're just kinda like I don't know, man. It just it was boring, like yeah. in a musical sense. Um yeah. and I think if it would have probably have made all the difference if the strokes came out and fucking blew the place apart. Yeah. It just felt like the crowd at that time of night, half ten at night, took a bit of a dip in energy and they mm -hmm. needed somebody to come out and like raise it and they just didn't. They didn't. So, aye, that was Transmit. Cause I don't want to badmouth Lewis Capaldi. I, I like Lewis. He's like funny and he's obviously his tunes are good, mm -hmm. but I don't think he's got enough songs. So he started like doing stand-up and stuff and filling these, Has fill, he? filling the gaps between, well, no stand-up, but he's doing like, short stories and being funny and stuff right and like my niece went there and he's i think he was talking about wanking and all that during like during lockdown. his transmit i <laughs> but obviously like my my niece is a grown-up fucking woman but she's like i'm there to watch fucking music mm -hmm. no to listen to him talking about ripping the fucking lid off it mm -hmm. uh suppose it's just a wee bit different but then palo natini's like that and auntie He's not really got many songs now, has he? I think he's got enough to do a headline set at Aye. a festival. I mean, what is he, four albums deep? Four, oh, four. I never realised it was four. This is his fourth, I'm sure. That's one that's just come out. Um, I, I, you know, fuck's sake, who am I? But, um, Hi, I'm slagging Lewis Capaldi for saying he's ripping the lid off it when I've been doing stand-up for 14 years and that's... That's my shit. <laughs> <laughs> Get your headline transmit. Just write a just write one song, mate, and you can just go and fucking headline. I think there's something to what you're saying, though. Like back in the day, people would have to like tour and have an act. Yeah, go out and blow cunts away. Do you know what I mean? Like Aye. and and day the bar is not that. This is what this is exactly what I was going to say, mate. I seen Muse Day, fucking Origin of Symmetry, which is their second album. Yeah. in the bars and fuck i seen metallica in the bars and you're talking like no you would go and they would go straight to the hydro see if they were to come out the new have the same level of success as what they did at the time they'd be putting them in the hydro it's so like trendy to go to these like live events yeah and i think that i think it's great that that means that people like Lewis capaldi make a lot of money because he's, he's an artist yeah. and he writes music fucking amazing but I think that there's something about being in a smaller venue with an amazing band like that. Especially the Barras. That's, I mean, don't get me wrong, people that gig there know how amazing that is. They'll pick gigging there. Mm -hmm. The Barras is incredible for a gig, mate. Oh, See, some of the people that have gigged there are amazing. I've seen Dead Mouse and Motorhead. I think we spoke about that. 
Fucking hell, man. Some of the gigs there are amazing. You need to do the circuit. Aye, but they don't need to do it anymore, mate. I mean, I was having a talk to somebody who's a comedian, and I don't know if you agree with us. Um, he definitely did not agree with what I was saying. But I was saying to him that if it goes the way that it's went in America, touring as a comedian is like your passion. That's what you'll do because you love it. Because you can make more money off your TikTok. Like music acts now. Like see if you're uh, like bands. I've heard people saying that are in bands were contacting our A&R man and going, we want a tour. And he's gone, no, you're not going on tour. Get on TikTok. That's crazy. Because that has got way more exposure used to be you would come to the Barrowlands, you'd play to a thousand people, you would six months later you'd come back, play to sixteen hundred people, you'd build your following. Now you can do that online overnight. You can have a million people listening to your fucking song if it just goes viral. Tens of millions of people if it goes viral on TikTok. So the record labels are saying to these acts, you no, we're not gonna waste money and time putting you on like a fucking fifteen night tour. We'll do that once we can make money for that. But see right now, get on TikTok see if we can get this track gone viral, blah, blah, blah. And I was saying to this comedian that really and truly, if if you really want to, you know, quote unquote, make it, you should be putting as much effort into your internet stuff as what you're doing the touring stuff. If you're just doing one, like just the touring, like you're a, you'll be a dinosaur. You're like, my sort of thought behind that is guys like Doug Stanhope. Like when all this shit kicked off in America with like the podcasting and, um, viral videos. Doug Stanhope was like one of the top comedians in the country. And then guys like Rogan, Segura, Chrysler, they all just leapfrogged them because they were doing the internet shit. Yeah. And so they were selling out. Fuck it. I mean, mate, uh, Brett Chrysler just put on a comedy festival a couple of months ago that was in a fucking baseball stadium. Stand up comedians <laughs> going out in plenty of stadiums. That's crazy. Now we've got them in arenas, like Bridges plays in the Hydro which is an arena, but do you think he could sell out Hamden? I don't know. In fact, maybe he could. <laughs> no, if he did, that. you know he'll do like seven nights at Hydro. Uh -huh. I think if he did like two nights at Hamden. He could probably he do, could that. do, I do just, that. Just as I said that, but I think my point is, is that they're the last of that. Like um, Frankie Boyle, Kevin Bridges, they don't need to do the internet stuff. They've already got that massive. But see, for people that are coming up, yeah, I think you need to do it. Like you're, you don't need to do it. I think you can be successful just touring. But I think if you do the internet stuff, you could sell tickets. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. Get a following quicker than what you would going around doing. You know, like the garden and then the stand and supporting people. You could pick up what five or six ticket sales, getting a good support. Aye. And or you could do a fucking clip on TikTok and sell it a room. 50 or people, you know what I mean? Yeah, I've started using TikTok more. I did a TikTok live the other night before the gig. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, come to the stand and uh, like I'm doing a show named The Axe. And I think it helped. It did help. Aye. There was a camera person there at the gig the other night as well. We can talk about the gig now. Aye, man. Why not? I so uh, I did the stand comedy club the other night in Glasgow. It was called Darren Connell and the Funny Bunch. I hosted it. We had Susie McCabe opening. Then there was Rachel Jackson, Mikey Motion, and Raymond Mearns. And to be honest with you, anytime I do a, a gig in Glasgow, it always does well. But mm. that fucking shocked me, man. That surprised me, mate. Like 
I turned up and it was like I was like that to myself, thank fuck I wore a shirt, man, because it was like <laughs> Friday night buzzing, like Aye, cunts were getting sent away at the door. Um you know, that was full capacity and it it kinda shocked us a wee bit, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. Uh I always get a hundred percent when I gig, but when I walked in and I seen that many people, I was like, fuck man, I need to bring my A game. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? I thought it was gonna be a nice wee cozy sunday night gig but it was brilliant and it was nice to have you there finally at a gig mate i Aye, mate, it was good to see you it was weird because that's my only fourth time comparing so i was a wee bit nervous because if i was doing a set i'd be like i i'll smash it in front of paul but comparing mm-hmm. is uh, a new kind of thing for me Aye, it's different i but i did enjoy it and I thought it was a lovely night, man. It was good. It was mental, wasn't it? Aye, mate. It was fucking class, man. I thought, like, see for a Sunday night. Because you've got to imagine that the stand are probably, like, oh, Sunday nights. You know what I mean? If they can get 100 people through the door, Aye. they've got to be fucking cartwheeling. You know what I mean? <laughs> Aye. Um, but uh, two, 220 capacity in the stand, Aye, something like that, man. Yep. Standing room only for the full night as well. So that's Aye. what I was saying to you before we came on, Mike. I was wondering, or oh, maybe when Susie goes off, there might be like a contingent here that are here to see her and they'll just... Aye. Everybody was, every single person stayed for the full night. Um, yeah. Atmosphere was great. Crowd were great. And it felt like your crowd. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? People were like shouting to say, fuck man, cunts were turning around saying stuff to me about the podcast. There's That's amazing, A woman mate. turned around and went, that, that M, that M, m15 clip was cool and i didn't really hear her and i was like what and then after you were on stage and you were like this is paul he does a podcast and there was like people like oh and this some random person went that m15 clip was really funny and i was just like what uh, all right and then after you went off she turned around and went don't think you heard me i was saying about the m15 clip i was like it was funny as fuck um mental on it i mean it's mental because like people were coming up to me and no, I mean, it's not their fault, right? I, I date with podcasts as well. So I'm like standing at the bar, there's 10 people talking to me and somebody will walk up to me and they're like, uh, I, I had tuna the other night with a pot in the door. And you're just like, what? <laughs> you're like, well, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so they kind of catch you off guard and I'm like, no uh, way, man, those people, even the night, even the day when I posted, we're doing the podcast at 1pm, there was quite a lot of comments saying, thank fuck and... People are like happy that it's back. I mean, I got a few DMs for people. Ah, it's mental, isn't it? I know, it's crazy. It was weird because, like, I know that a lot of people there weren't there. My first one, the vegan gorilla in chums. Aye, when you asked that question, it's, there was like five or six people. Aye. Well, like, aye, I was here the last time. So it's like a new aye. crowd of people. So I a complete new crowd of people. I can't believe people get sent away for the door, mate. That is fucking unbelievable. Especially when I'm comparing it to the dodgy uh, promoter that I was working with during my tour and being under that stress and like posting about my gig and being embarrassed about like no selling tickets. And then at the stand, cunts are pure DMing me saying, I'll suck your fucking buzz if you let us in, mate. Like, aye, aye but. good. What a weird, it was a good crowd, mental crowd, front row was mental, there was people in there out their fucking nut as well, it was like a Friday, Saturday night, and I really enjoyed it, mate. I mean, I love being, I love being a stand-up comedian, and I love making people laugh. If comparing came to me, I'd probably day merit, but I do love just being a stand-up comedian, but I must say that 
talking, going up there and improving and just trying to be funny on the spot was very exciting for me. And I didn't really know, I was trying my best not to be, because compares go up and they just talk about joke. They do jokes for their set. Right, and they'll aye. split it into sections. So I I said, I really need to get out of my comfort zone here and no day jokes. So I don't know if you noticed, I was kind of talking about a lot of shit on the podcast mm-hmm. and just winging shit with front row people and all that. But after it, it felt, it felt fucking exhil- exhilarating. Mm-hmm. Is that the word? I was like, aye, I felt fucking brilliant, man. Mm-hmm. When's the next one? Uh, the next one is August, two seconds, let me... 28th of August, Sunday the 28th of August, and that's the level of acts that I intend to have every show, by the way. Uh, It's going to be that level. Um, I'm going to keep it at that level, and I just want it to be an amazing night that comedians feel like, aye, I want to go and do that gig, and fuck it. You're more than welcome to come to the next one mate absolutely you can, mate. You can film the next one if you want obviously i'll pay you uh, <laughs> after i got a knockback the last time <laughs> <laughs> i i was one of, do you know i had one of those things i was like paul's never seen me before your girlfriend's never seen me before i would like you to just uh, just, just come and chill and enjoy it uh, which we absolutely did you know what i mean it's that sunday night you know what i mean like my missus was getting a bit like oh you know, that kind of way, and I was like, we fucking were gone. And then Aye. when we came out, she was like, it was fucking brilliant. Aye, and the heat in that fucking room, man, holy Unreal. fuck. Mate, I know, as a punter, it must be roasting, but, I mean, flat, I was flat out just screaming about the heat and no even trying to be funny. Like, cunts were just laughing, but I was like, I am not really trying to be funny here but people were just going with it it's just fucking it's just roasting i was i was wearing a shirt man and it was a wee bit tight and by the end of the night i was like this is loose what the fuck has happened uh lost some weight i there was actually drips of sweat coming off my eyebrow like (laughs) i I actually felt self-conscious like cunts are gonna think i'm dying on the stage mate i think every act that went up was pushing sweat apart from mikey does he have a fucking prince andrew he didn't seem to like break a sweat no he was on a big kickers jumper but Susie McCabe and uh Rachel Jackson didn't he really didn't he really look but you Susie McCabe and Raymond Mills notably sweat (laughs) patients see like that sort of like way where you can see the beads of sweat going down the side of the face so fucking roasting like you said it was roasting outside it was even hotter sitting in the room and then you've got fucking, I think I counted like fucking six or seven big floodlights on you, man. There was uh, somebody that walked up to us after it and she had a leather, I swear to God, mate, a leather jacket buttoned up to the top of her fucking neck. And she was like, that gig was brilliant, pal. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing wearing a leather jacket? And she was like, oh, that's not that warm in here. I was like, all right, you're a psychopath. Come back to the next gig. So, <laughs> I anybody that t- came to the gig, I just want to thank you so much. And it was very cool with it sounding soppy. It, f- it felt very cool having you there and thinking, I can't believe I've got a podcast and this is amazing. And I, I fell out of love with stand-up before the podcast and then I've started the podcast. It made me fall back in love with comedy. And then I'm like 36 episodes deep and I'm like, you know, I sacked my agent that was shite. And I'm like, hi, I've got the fucking buzz back. Aye, good man. So, and there was a camera there. So maybe get some 
stuff up on TikTok. So. 100%. Maybe next year we could be doing Hamden, mate. <laughs> doing a live <laughs> podcast. Hi. We should definitely do something like that. I would love to do something like that. I mean, I don't know if it would be funny, but um, I we could do something. Uh, do something live. There was a guy there that I went, I worked with in McDonald's. Do you know, the guy came up to me and he said that. I worked with him in McDonald's like, I mean, what, I'm fucking 15. He was a couple of years younger than me, so. Was it Gavin? Gavin, aye. aye, aye. And um, he said to his, what are you doing here? And I was like, I did a podcast with him. And he was like, oh, are you Paul? And it was a weird thing because I'm like, I've known you for like 25 years, mate. <laughs> He's like, no, I just didn't the idea that that was you. But then he was like, my mate did his old podcast. And I was like, oh, well, awkward. Aye, the boys were there, <laughs> the boys that done my old podcast. It was one of the ones that kind of ended awkwardly. But I think when you realise, like, I was like, no, wait a minute. He's my mate and I don't want to lose a friendship. Aye. Like, let's just kiss and make up and get on with it. Sometimes shit happens, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Life is too short for that but shit. If Gav, if, if I, he was saying that he listens, mate, Gav's a really, really fucking great guy. Aye. Um, it's one of the weird ones where you meet someday when you work at McDonald's and then throughout your life, like every sort of five year, I meet that guy. Right. You know what I mean? And He's quite comical, isn't he? Like I found myself guy. like laughing at him and he's like, what? He's not even trying to be funny. Ah, he's not trying to be funny. <laughs> I unintentionally funny. Because sure. he's got quite a cartoonish uh, voice, isn't he? All right, how you doing, mate? You're aye. like, what? Feaster house. <laughs> <laughs> you got it there. So, I so we'll move on for the stand, but I am still fucking flying for that, man. So I'm looking forward to the next one. Um, uh, it's right up to Christmas. I just confirmed Gavin Webster for one of them. Uh, not for the next one, but for the one in September. Gav- Gavin Webster is an amazing stand-up comedian for Newcastle. Mm-hmm. He's essentially the Geordie version of Raymond Mearns. He's also done some really good films like, uh, fuck, what's that film, man? Uh, I Am Daniel Blake. Right. Aye. He's got a wee part in that. Okay. He'll pop up in wee films like that. Amazing stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. I've never gigged with him before. I've only, in fact, I gigged with him once, but I've seen him in the passing and we kind of know each other, but we've never really gigged. So right. I'm like, get him on. It's a good opportunity like to play in a legendary room in front of a good crowd. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it must shite going to, an, see when you go to another city and there's nobody there, you know, like that type of thing. Yeah. It's fucking terrible. So I, that, that's a that night that you're putting on is a good opportunity for people to come for another city if they're like up and coming and you know what I mean could maybe yeah. sell out half of the stand 150 folk or whatever oh yeah mm-hmm. and plus I'll always give a chance to people like Mikey Motion there'll always be an opener for Scotland for Glasgow type thing maybe no it depends but I just want to give people a chance like even in, in the green room I seen them buzzing and I was like I remember my first Sunday like I mean, my first Sunday wasn't like that, mate. Like, my first Sunday was in the Glasgow stand. There was, like, 40 people in the room. And today, your first Sunday outside Red Raw to a packed stand crowd, and Mm -hmm. it was, like, a Friday night, that must be unbelievable. Ah, That blew my fucking mind. Like, compare, I'm like, if I was in his position, I'd be like, what the fuck? This is mental. Do you know what I mean? Aye, for sure, mate. Uh, So I always want to get to people like him. 
first and foremost, he's just funny. That's all that matters. He could be a good source of him being able to tell you who the good up and comers are that are yes. inside of that that level that you're mm-hmm. talking about. Because Mikey's working a lot with gain people, a platform that wouldn't maybe be at the level for you to give them a platform at the start, but he'll maybe know a couple of gems. Do you know what I mean? People yes. that will be like, maybe you should get them in. You know what I mean? And there's a couple of things. I don't want to keep talking about this, right? But I made it £8 a ticket, right? Deliberately made it £8 a ticket. I personally think that's cheap, right? I know times are tough. I made it as cheap as possible so people can afford it. So, like, see if you're an up-and-coming stand-up comedian and you want a gig at the stand and you want to get to know people, buy a fucking ticket for the gig, come to the gig and introduce yourself. Now, I don't know if I can give you a comp because I've already gave away 20 fucking comps. Like, I need to pay the axe. I can't just give away a comps. Mm-hmm. But if you want to be part of the circuit, if you want to meet people like Susie McCabe and Raymond Mearns, buy a fucking ticket, come up, introduce yourself, and then we will be like, oh, that's an up-and-coming stand-up comedian. He's a good cunt or she's a good cunt. Gear a gig. But all these people are like, oh, I love the stand and uh, I love Susie McCabe and I love Raymond Mearns. Well, where are you in a Friday? If you're no gigging, where are you in a Friday and a Saturday night? Like, you could be at the stand watching these people. Like, Susie McCabe's going to be the next big thing coming out of Scotland. Like, Mm -hmm. you could get into the stand and watch her on a Friday night. So, pull your finger out your fucking ass and stop talking shit. Like... When I when I was kind of getting into the circuit, I went to the stand five nights a week. Or you just like drop people a DM and say, like, can I get in? But if you can't, if you've not got any guests guests list left, I'll buy a ticket. Mm-hmm. So that that can, uh, unfortunately, like that can help you get a gig as well. Like, I mean, first and foremost, it just matters if you're funny. But if you're at a gig, you're like, no, they've shown that they're interested. Ah, like, I'm networking. Aye. Plus showing support as well. See the amount of people that told me that they were coming on Sunday and they just didn't come. I mean, it sold out anyway, but I'm like, just just buy a ticket, you fucking dick. Anyway. Next time as well, man, get on the fucking link. You turn up at fucking on the door, might not get in. I had to tell that to, um, I had two pals on my guest list and they were like, uh, we're going to bring two mates and I was like mate buy a ticket and on the night they were like thank fuck we got a ticket man mm-hmm. I mean I've made it £8 I could have made it £13 but I don't want to do that to my punters I want to set up a nice friendly gig that's going to be Aye, mate. I want people to do that 8 quid, man that's brilliant Aye, mate. getting to see you um, Mikey, Rachel um, Raymond Mearns and Fucking Susie McCabe for eight quid. A bargain, mate. Aye. You could go to the you go to the fringe next month and you would probably spend fucking fifteen quid a ticket for each one of the acts. Do you know what Aye. I mean? Aye. So Aye. you're talking about a good fucking sixty quid worth of comedy that you're getting on a Sunday night. They do a good pint. Fuck there it. we go. go. There we go. So moving on from that, um we've also I took a note. I mean, I've got subjects to cover here, but as a human, I'm very interested. Are you itching your ass? No, mate. Just come back for the gym. <laughs> just get that pure AK back. I thought you were getting right in about your ass there. Scratching my hemorrhoids. <laughs> I was like, why is he staring right into my soul when no blinking? Scratching his, his ass. ass. 
<laughs> like I know it was eight pound a ticket, mate, but it was, wasn't it that good? Let me go for a quick pass, sir. Yes, sorry. Um, Paul and I took a pee break there, not at the same time, but we had to take a a, a pee break. So they cross swords. Hi, <laughs> um, Paul. Before he went on holiday, uh, accidentally dropped a hand towel in the toilet, and it was like, have you ever seen that fucking basket case? With a wee, I don't think so. So basically, basket case is a wee independent B side horror, and it's about a guy who keeps his deformed twin in a basket. Right. Okay. That was mm. the, like the towel. Right. Aye. 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 <laughs> Do you know what? I, for the Megastore days, I remember the DVD cover. Aye. <laughs> I, I would imagine it would be good if you were stoned. Speaking of stoned, what the movie? Aye. <laughs> I, right. I have. Uh, took a wee note because I seen on your Insta stories the other night that you were dabbling in mushrooms. Sure was. Um, would you like to share that experience with us? If you want to hear it, aye, absolutely. Yes, so, like, the way that I use mushrooms is I don't use them recreationally. I think I said that properly there. No, like, uh, the prodigy. <laughs> <laughs> the prodigy. Um, yes, I just said it right. Um, I use them... Is like, I suppose, to be like a pretentious wank about it, quite a spiritual sort of thing. I quite like, um, like a reset. So like two or three times a year, take, take a fair amount of them. So I had um, seven, a heavy dose when you take it in a one. You mean? Mm -hmm. oh, okay. I had a uh, seven gram total, so three point five grams for me, three point five grams for my missus. But uh, these were albino. A plus, so they're like twice, run about twice the strength of like a normal psilocybin mushroom. They're quite strong. Wow. So, um, I, Friday, thought, fuck it, what do you want to do today? And she was like, why don't we just take some mushrooms? I was like, I could, we'd been watching a wee Netflix documentary about um, the therapeutic use of like hallucinogenics and stuff like that. And sort of, I was like, I, fuck it, we've got them there. Uh, took them. Like, would you want a day? So we thought, go for a wee walk from Kelvin Grove, let them set in, go to the shops, get some supplies, and then we'll go home and we'll just not leave the room. We got about halfway around Kelvin Grove and I started to feel like I was walking on fucking marshmallow or something like that. I was like, to her, I think I need to go back. I, these are kicking in straight away. She was like, me too. So we walked up the hill and down towards Charing Cross and we were coming down like a wee cobblestone uh, path sort of a lane, because I was like, let's, they were like drilling and shit out on the main road, and I was like, let's stay away for that fucking push. Go down this wee lane, and I was like, Tell her, I think these are peeping. Oh my God. And I was looking at the watch, and I was like, oh, we took these um, 45 minutes ago. Was it? Fuck the peak, man. So, <laughs> so about, <laughs> it peaked at about two and a half hours in. That's, <laughs> when, that's when the peak happened, right? But about, an hour and a half in. So we get back to the to the room and I like lay down in the bed. But I got to that sort of like uncomfortable. I need to get up and walk about. I need to do some stuff like that. I need to breathe. Like they're starting to um, coming up. Like see that coming up feeling that you get on an ecky as well where you're just sort of like a bit anxious, a bit tingly. I felt like that. And she was like, I'm not feeling like that yet. So I was like about 10 minutes ahead of her with like the trip. <laughs> and um, so after I, I lay down, and mate, I just cried. 
Oh my god. For like a full hour. Just sat and sobbed. So like the last year's been quite tough. Um no mentally, because obviously like as a therapist and I, I I go to therapy, I day work. I've got a lot of tools that I use to like manage myself and sort of like keep myself nice and grounded. But like, you know, there's been loss, lost family members, she's lost family members. Um, and as a therapist as well, coming out of lockdown, I hear I, I hear everybody's sadness and all the sad stories. So I just had this sort of thought of like, it's been a really sad year and just burst out. I was just like, don't, don't try and like my second thought after that was, oh, don't think about that. Think about something happy. And I was like, no, nah, do you know what, man? See if if this is what it's going to be about, this is it. Yeah. So I just burst out great and she was like, are you all right? And I'm like, I'm fine. You just need to leave me. Just leave me to it. Mm-hmm. So like I sobbed for about an hour. Um, and then honestly, mate, I shut my eyes and I just went and I was gone. I was like seeing pyramids. was seeing like New York City like crumbling in and itself. Wow. Like seeing my dystopian fucking Armageddon shit. Uh, but there was like a voice kept on being like, but it's all right. Don't worry about it. It's all right. It's all right. This is just what could happen. This is see, seen like Roman, like the Roman Empire was like symbolic though. It was like a Roman type place that sort of crumbled and then like a sort of Greek type building that crumbled and then like a pyramid that crumbled. And then I just seen like New York City crumbling. I was like, what the fuck? Then it was like the planet was grinning on itself and it was all like, and then it was just this like darkness. But my, I was telling my mate about it and he was like, mate, that's terrifying. I was like, but I wasn't scared. Uh-huh. I just had this pure calmness about me. Um, What was weird was then I started to think, there was like a voice was going, everything will be all right. And then she went, everything's going to be all right. And I was like, that that was weird. And then there was another voice went, You've done it. Don't worry about it. You it's all it's coming you're coming down. It's it's done. You've seen what you need to see. And then she was like, We're doing it, don't worry. And I was yeah. like, What the fuck is going on? And my mate was like, You must have said that out loud. I'm like, mate, I couldn't speak. I was drooling. Like, see when I can so it started there was and as well, man, which was weird, there was like this biblical fucking rain that happened on Friday. And that brung me out of the trip. And I was like, Oh, it's raining. Because all I was hearing was just like, like vibration shit. And I wasn't even in the room, man. I was gone. I was just lying. Fucking, I was coming into my body, sort of going, oh, fuck, this is intense. But then just away again. And then coming into my body and then going away again, sort of every 15 minutes for about three hours. And then I was like, I could hear this sort of like vibration noise, just like like I was saying, like a whoom, 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 whoom. And then I heard like the rain and I thought, is it raining? And then I like opened my eyes and looked outside and I was like, oh, it's raining. And I said to her, look, look at the rain. And she was like, fuck, I was gone there. We checked the time and I was like, fuck, it's six o'clock at night. We took the mushrooms at two o'clock. So it was like four hours later. And um, the fact that it was raining like that and then it when you were tripping and then it, is well, it was, mental. It was after it. Aye. So we were sitting going, this is so weird that it started raining like this after Aye. we've come out of this trip. And... Uh, it was just me. I just felt. See, after that, I just felt calm and just sort of like nice, but a wee bit sort of sad. Was just like fuck, man. There was just a lot of sort of sadness in that. Yeah. But then me and her had like a conversation where I was like, we've been through a lot this last sort of eighteen months, two, three years. It's just been 
that said, lost uncle, lost auntie, she's lost her granny. It's just been a lot of shit like that. Um, as well as having to speak to people and hearing their sort of stories, he takes some of that on. So I was like to myself, so I got my journal out and I was journaling and I was like, I think I needed that. I think I like cleansed myself. You like carry everything about, you know, like all these stories, people telling you that they're suicidal, haven't tried to help people through these things. And I think I needed it. There was just a part of me that was like, I need to just let go of all this. Yeah. So it was that. And then for about two or three hours to about eight o'clock at night, it just felt like a really sort of nice trip after yeah. that, where I just started seeing like the colours and the geometric shapes and could hear everything put on the Beatles, sitting howling at some of stuff, put on some stand-up comedy, we're sitting pushing ourselves laughing at Bill Burr and just sort of like gradually come down, but it was intense as fuck. How, how long was the full trip? I think I, I, I ate about 10 o'clock at night, yeah. so it was what's it, eight hours. Wow, that's... That's, that's when I yeah. find... I, I, it sort of like quarter to 10, I was like, I just felt a pang of hunger, hadn't ate all day. Yeah. So it was quite intense, but I think I needed it, mate. It, it was, um, I don't know, man. Like I said, I, I do like a, that's like my connection to my spirituality. I don't believe in God, like be a big beardy man yeah. or anything like that, but I believe in higher power and I believe that there's merity, this, that there's merity existence than just what we experience. And I think things like, uh, hallucinogenics give access to like different things that our instrumentation can interpret something along the lines i don't know if i fully fleshed that out no i know what you mean um, that's really weird that you would say that though because it reminds me of the time i took ayahuasca i remember having a dream i think i've said this on the podcast i had a dream that i was with the people that i was taking ayahuasca way at the camp and we were in a park and the shaman said, thunder and lightning is nature's music. Mm-hmm. And I woke up in a thunderstorm in my in my tent. And then I told the guy that took me there. And no, no, wait a minute. We were taking ayahuasca. And the shaman said in his language, he said something in his language. And the interpreter said, uh, Thunder and, thunder and lightning is like nature's music mm-hmm. and i was like i said to the guy because i told the guy that took me there what my dream was and i said did you tell him my dream and he was like no i was like how the fuck did he say that then and he's like i swear to god i never told him so it was all connected and dmt is quite similar to that shit mm-hmm. like maybe no as intense but i mean that sounds really intense but i uh, that's one of the most intense mushroom trips I've ever had. Yeah. See if you had said to me before it, this is what it's going to be like. I'd have been like, nah, I'm alright. Yeah. But I was happy to go through it after it was done. Did you have a good sleep? Oh, mate. Like slept for like midnight through to like eleven o'clock. Had like a pure eleven hour sleep. <laughs> felt fucking. Um, felt woke up feeling tired and sort of like fuck, man. Um, creamy. But I, but like, <laughs> just sort of like, right, that, that, I think that's what I needed. I needed to just unload a wee bit, do you know yeah. what I mean? And, and that's what I got. But it, I found it quite funny because when you posted about it, I think I said something like cheeky boy. And then 13 hours later, you text me, mate, we need to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but mate, I, I, I mean, 
I don't know how she was saying stuff to me, and I was like, I, I was thinking that like ten minutes ago. Yeah, it was so it was so strange, you know. Like if you're cynical, and and I can be cynical, and my mate was like, you must have been saying it. And there's a part of me was like, maybe I was saying it out loud. Yeah, and um, she was like, you weren't saying fuck all. You were just lying there, fucking drooling. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, I said she was just a wee bit behind me. So when I came out of it, I was like there for her to get through it because she was going through it. She's like, I'm still in it, man. I'm still going. I was like, it's all right. Like I'm. I'm I, bl- I believe you, mate. I believe all that stuff was there thousands of years before anything else has been took took by tribes to way back i i believe that there's a connection there somehow that mm-hmm. that is a very common thing it might be intense sometimes or other times but i think it's i sometimes there's, something there. there's nothing really going on and you take them you just feel nice and fuzzy and you just see some stuff and you giggle yeah but i think if you're going through some stuff and you're, you're sort of like maybe compartmentalizing it you don't even know that you're doing it yeah you're, you know you're feeling like had a lot of whatever, a lot of sadness, a lot of hurt. It needs to come out. And I think sometimes it just sort of, just, I can just remember just thinking, fuck it, man, you need to greet, just greet. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, aye, mate, it's, it's incredible, mate. I, I was reading a thing, a book that I read when I was on holiday, actually. It's called Fake History. And they spoke about how the, colon- the colonizers, when they went to, like, the New World, like South America, and these dudes were taking, like, peyote, and having these spiritual experiences, they actually tried to destroy it because, and this is in diaries where they went, these people have direct access to God. Wow. And the Catholic Church were like, we do not want people to have direct access to God. That is our thing. Um, and then I, you're just like, I don't know, man. I think these, they're, they're, they're natural. Fuck's sake, you can go and pick magic mushrooms at Loch Lomond if you want. I mean, they're yeah. not quite as intense as the ones that you get near the equator where shit just grows but um i mean i i i believe in plant medicine and see honestly see if you're of a nervous disposition or you've got like mental health problems or anxiety or whatever don't do it yeah because it's no unless you're looking to really like fucking go to the cold face with it and face it because it's gonna anything that you're like running away for when you go into these experiences, there's no getting away from it, man. It's yeah. just right there. And it's like, what you got to do about this? Um, and yeah. I think it takes, you need to have, you need to be able to deal with that. And you need to be ready to face that. I think a lot of people take these things thinking, oh, I'll just have a laugh. You know what I mean? So I've, I'm no, I'm, the reason I'm saying that is, I'm no advocating anybody goes and does this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't want anybody like DMing being like, I went and took fucking mushrooms, you prick, and had a fucking terrible night don't do it. Like, I yeah. do it for my own reasons and I've got a lot of experience on it so I can do these things safely. Um, yeah. But I, I don't, I'm not saying go and do it. I always say that about ayahuasca. Anytime someone asks me that, was it good? And I'm like, I felt like I get raped by a demonic force that severely pulled me to the brink of losing my mind. Like, to go through that and then go back to Glasgow like nothing happened and to see some weird visions and to just supposedly you're supposed to just live your normal life again like if I was fucked like mental mental health problems and stuff I could see why people would have breakdowns taking mushrooms and ayahuasca and mm-hmm. DMT and stuff so I don't recommend ayahuasca at all 
unless because I, I went over I had depression and anxiety and stuff and I was like this will help me and then you take something like that and you're like I have no got depression like know the way that other people have got yeah. stuff like mm-hmm. there was like sexual abuse victims there and I'm like I feel like an imposter here I they're there for their trauma yeah like, to try I, and I'm an imposter because I have a fucking kebab on a Friday night. I'm mm-hmm. like, all right. <laughs> you should watch the. You should watch it on Netflix, mate. Yeah. Um. There's a whole episode on uh, how uh, MDMA or Ekis um help people with trauma. Um, wow. Because it, really and truly, as a therapist, I know this, right? Um, the only way for you to deal with your trauma is to face it. There's no getting away from it. You can't run away from it. If you've witnessed something that is traumatic, um, you can't, the memories are there. Even people that manage to disassociate and block it, they're in there. They're, they're in there swirling about. And what they do with MDMA is they get to people, and as you know, when you take ecstasy, you'll tell a JK a bust up your full fucking life story. <laughs> So it gives people that opportunity to engage with these difficult memories. It's a amazing bit. Spoiler alert, by the way. An amazing bit in that with the guy. The guy's trauma. He finally tells them his trauma, and he's like, "I witnessed my mom getting raped and murdered." And they were like, "What happened when you took the MDMA?" And he's like, "I seen the murderer, and I went up and I, and I hugged him, and I forgave him in an instant." And he's like, "I'll never do the same again." He was like, I, I feel like a new person. And it's like a miracle. You're like, what the fuck? This is somebody that's probably spent like 30 years running away from this terrible memory. And how he got over it was seeing it happen again and being like, forgiving the person that did it. Wow. Was it called? Let me have a look. Mate. I'm going to take it. It's the name of a book. If, if you, I, I don't have Netflix on my phone. Uh-huh. Um, it's the name of a book of a guy that basically, um, MDMA documentary. So if anybody, how to change your mind, how to change your mind. And it's author Michael Pollan, who's been on Rogan and he's done all the, the podcasting in America. Um, who I think in a, in a process of self-discovery. Mm-hmm. trying to like fix himself doing all this research i think he's a doctor real looked into oh wait a minute like they were doing all these clinical trials in the 50s where like psilocybin lsd mdma to use it for people to fix people's mental health yeah um and then obviously the story of like ram das and he was a doctor that he was one of the he was a chemist who discovered one of the guys that discovered lsd and then he became this like world spiritual leader. Wow. So if anybody's listening, then you can go and check that out. How to and change plus, your mind. You know, that's going to be the good shit as well. It's no cut. It's no cut with fucking carpet fluff. Face <laughs> <laughs> some cunt, face poso. Aye, 100%. 100%. It's the good shit. Thank you very much for sharing that. That's mate. all right, mate. I'm glad that you feel better and you got that emotion out. I didn't feel bad before it. Yeah. This is the thing. It's like. But I came out the other side knowing I needed that. It a was spiritual purge. 100%, mate. Just needed to just have a good greet about how sad the last couple of years has been. Yeah. Um, And aye, man, it just opened the well. And it was the well was needing fucking drained, for sure. 
Imagine if you looked there at your cat and your cat was like, hey, you're right. Oh, mate, I was looking at him and he looked like fucking my fucking bed turned into a desert and he turned into the Sphinx. That was just right before I went fucking, I went fucking into the stratosphere. That was the last thing I can remember seeing in the room. And then I lay down and shut my eyes and then that was it, mate. I, I went off. I wasn't even, I wasn't even in my body, like I said. I was getting into these weird hallucinations and then coming back into wow. my body and then being like, right, I'm all right. And then... Aye. Being like, turn that off because the YouTube video would roll on to some other fucking pish. Turn that until eventually we just turned the TV off and we sat in silence for like Aye. fucking three hours. I because when you text me, we need to talk about that. I was like, he's getting a fucking Vietnam veteran vibe here, man. Like, <laughs> you're coming back for war. But uh, it sounds like you had a good laugh, mate. Do you want, <laughs> you, I know, horrific fucking childhood trauma. Sounds like a good laugh. Um, you want to end the podcast on a, a wee story? Aye, let's we'll try go for it, I'll lighten things up a wee bit. Aye, let's go for it. I can't remember how I remembered this story. I seen something on the telly about somebody that gets sacked for a supermarket and it reminded me of a time that I worked in Asda. Right. So I'll tell you a wee story that when I, we nearly get sacked through my actions. Who nearly gets sacked? Me and all the trolley boys. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you right now, by the way, my bro my brothers had my back. Nobody grasped me. Right, okay. So <laughs> your trolley boy brothers? My trolley boy brothers, man, were like the Masons. Um so the trolley boys had a cupboard in Asda and it was behind a lift. So it wasn't just like a normal broom cupboard, it was like cement that you would open the door and it'd be like a cement room mm -hmm. a big massive room and there'd be a lot of bags in there for the checkouts and they would keep they would store things in there so mm -hmm. when a manager would say go and get his bags we would go to the trolley boys cupboard right now i had a couple of colleagues that were lazy bastards i won't name them but proper skiving lazy bastards and there was this wee corner side of the cupboard that you could go in and stand there but they would put bags so they'd make a wee seat and go in for a skive okay yep. so there was an unwritten rule like if you wanted a skive go into the trolley boys cupboard don't rip the arse at it though do you know what i mean <laughs> don't rip the arse at it sorry mate i'm just laughing at the trolley boys cupboard <laughs> well it's not there anymore because i fucked it right uh, <laughs> it's just a cupboard <laughs> but there was a guy there that i used to work with all the time and you know what we had an unwritten rule. See if you've got a 15 minute break, take 25 minutes, but don't rip the arse out of it, man. Like, because it's, a, it's, even though it's brain wise, it's no a hard job, but it's a physical Aye. shite job, you know uh -huh. what I mean? So if you leave a man behind, we're all fucked. And there was this guy that used to go into the cupboard, right? I never realized that he was in there all the time. Mm -hmm. And I went in to get bags once and I found I used to be mad. Or Lucasade, right? Bottles are original Lucasade. This was back in the day when I did not give a fuck about my health or my diet, and I used to drink liters of the stuff. Right. And there was a guy that I worked with that used to drink it with me. Right. You could get a bot a liter bottle of Lucasade for like a quid, and the two years used to just tan them. Like <laughs> I used to. I'm like, why is my eyes sore? Like, <laughs> why can I not see through my right eye? Uh, before I knew even what a calorie was. So I went in one day, and there was like half and there was like half a cake that he ate, and he left it there. He never even put it in the bin. 
and it was like mouldy and out of date. Oh, fuck's sake. And this is was, was on top of when the car park was fucked. Trolleys everywhere, man. It was like a war zone. And I snapped. I was like, oh, lazy bastard, man. Lazy bastard. So he used to also leave his empty bottles of Lucasid in the cupboard. Right. Uh-huh. Like, fuck knows how many bottles of Lucasid were there. Like 30, 40 Lucasid bottles. And I just like snapped. I don't know what came across me. I did it for like comical reasons as well, but I found like uh, tape, no tape. It wasn't quite sellotape. It was, what, what's the, what would you say? Parcel tape. Parcel tape. Aye. Couple of steps up for tape. I got all the empty bottles of Lucasaid, right? Mm-hmm. And I got the parcel tape and I, I turned the Lucasaid bottles into a crucifix. <laughs> no, it was a man-sized crucifix. <laughs> right. That's how many Lucasaid bottles right, were there. Okay. And you know, I was in there for a good forty minutes making this crucifix, and then <laughs> I, I taped it on the wall. I put it on the wall. So as soon as you open the door, you'd see this crucifix of Lucasaid bottles sellotaped to the wall. And then I got a bit of paper, like an A4 bit of paper, sellotaped out on the wall. And then on the paper, I put the shrine of Lucasaid and just left it there. Right. Now, I worked in Asda for fucking eight years. Right. Nobody's ever been in that cupboard apart from the trolley boys. Like, ever. Okay. And my entire time there, about 10 days after it, uh, somebody radioed me because we, we all had radios. Right. And this, I think it was a security guard. And he's like, oh, what the fuck have you been doing in that cupboard? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, my manager called us all in. And it was basically what it was is, you know how sometimes... Asda, I need to be very careful with my words here. Asda employ people that might not be very good at the job to give them a chance at life. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, like, do they take on people where they get like tax breaks for taking on people that would normally just be on benefits? And, yes. Right. Okay. Uh huh. So one of the boys was in those situations right, okay. when. You know, he tried his best. Aye, but well, learning it, difficulties or whatever, aye, right? Uh-huh. He tried his best, but when it came to things like putting bags out and taking rubbish bags away, he wasn't very good at it. Right. So there was a time when it was just him working for like two hours and it was fucking carnage, man, right? So our manager was like, I'm not going to ask him to get the bags because he's struggling. Right. So okay. I'll go in and get the bags. Right. And they found um, the shrine of Lucasade. She found the shrine of Lucasade, mate. Oh, no. We all get called in, right? Oh. Into the fucking workers' room upstairs. And it was like, individually, it was like fucking the usual suspects, man. She went through us individually. And I remember sitting there and she was like, Darren, you're a good worker and you're a good person. Cut to the chase. Tell me right now who made the shrine of Lucasade. <laughs> see the way she said it though oh. i just couldn't help but laugh right and she was like that tell me right now and you won't get into trouble and i was like i swear to god i've never seen it and she's like how how how, how you never you seen see it? it it's the size of a war she went through every single trolley boy and not one trolley boy grasped me in man 
good good but boys i got to the point that i was like i would tell you <laughs> if i knew who it was i would tell you don't back down double down aye so i was like i'll, I'll go and i'll try and find out i'll try and find out for you <laughs> like oh mate so see the boy that went in there with cakes uh-huh. uh i remember because we would walk around the car park together and we'd do a circle and do a bay each uh-huh. and i remember thinking i didn't grass you in for the cake you didn't grass me in for the look he and he's like ah, cheers mate and i was like ah, no thank you did they all know it was you do you was know a suspicion were you sus there was like four trolley boys that knew it was me and like the guy with the cake was like i can't believe you've done that man that was mental but no everybody found it eventually but soon as i left i was like that ah, i was the shrine look as it oh did you did you admit it i never said to the manager i mean if we cut this up and put it on tiktok she'll she'll know eventually send it to her in the dm aye, it was me but i that's how much i loved look as it as well i had to make a shrine make a it. shrine so i train to the fucking the god of look I didn't want to interrupt the story. It was a good story. It's hilarious. I can't, I can't believe you were pure. Here, give me, give me ten minutes. I'll go and see if I can find out who it was for you. Like I'll I, be a double agent. Try to try to find yourself. Path. I was like, I was like, you know that I've never been in there. I rarely ever go into that cupboard. I was like, I'm starting to believe my own lies here, man. I'm like a fucking schizophrenic. Ah, it's so good. It's so good at that. Mate, that's brilliant. Um, what is the flavour of original Lucasaid? The orange one. Uh, the no just, actual orange no the orange one like just the original red fucking bottle of lucasaid what f- what flavor is that supposed to be do you know that's a really good question because i can't describe it to anything when it had sugar in it it's quite bunny when you drink it it's quite hard on the throat right and it's good to drink when you had a come down <clears throat> a hangover or when you're fucked Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got caffeine in it. I don't think there's any taste to an original. It tastes to me like licking an iron bar. So like that metallic. It's yeah. that sort of like it doesn't taste like anything other than this sensation, like a the fizziness, and then just like a sort of like iron. What blood? Like the taste of blood in your mouth. A wee bit like medicine as well, maybe. Uh-huh. I I mean it's shite since I mean I think I've said this before. And um, them taking sugar at a Lucasid saved my did, fucking life. Mate. Did they take sugar at it? Aye. With a sugar tax. Oh, did they? Aye. Right, same as Iron Brew. Because they done it with Iron Brew and stuff. Because right. my pals get really bad diabetes. And he's like really fit guy and stuff. But he'd fucking guzzle Lucasid, man. Because sometimes he just need sugar. Uh-huh. But they changed it and he's like, that's me. Fuck. The, the orange Lucasid used to be like syrup. Yeah. syrupy i've never been a fan of it mate i remember when red bull came out i was like right here's a caffeine drink i can go on board with this is better just that's better even that's fucking howling i read but i took a slug of that the other night see susie she uh drinks a can before she goes on stage right. and she left half a can at the door and i was like fuck it i'm taking a slug of that that was the first time i've ever took a drink yet and like i don't know how many years but i was like maybe i've got covid uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> and then i never got to sleep to four in the morning but i that um that story about the shrine like i said man it just makes you think like see when you're trapped in a job like that you think oh my life is shite but see when you think back you're like that was a good laugh man. aye mate aye mate there's 
So I, I've mentioned this a few times. Worked in Virgin Megastore in Buchanan Street, the big, massive, like, uh, Virgin Megastore. That unit, right, has got storage on the roof. Oh, aye. And that's where we used to go to smoke cash if you were on shift and the manager wasn't a ballbag or, like, wouldn't he fucking crash in or whatever. And there was one time I went in there into the storage to clear it out. I think we were doing a big clear out. And right down the very back, now, this was years and years after this, was like a Sony PSP, like, stand that they used to know. They'd send them out and they would put them in the games department, plugged in, set up, we pile their games. Amazing. And nobody knew it. Never ever found out who it was. So some cunt was going up there <laughs> for years <laughs> and just sitting playing a fucking Sony PSP, like the old fucking game stand. So he's took it out of the box. No, it was it was like a disregarded demo unit. Amazing. And man. but he had a wee pile of games, like PSP games, but he's been up whoever it was, might have been multiple people. But I bet you that exists in nearly every workplace. There's like a wee place where people go to fucking skive and Aye. there's like what an ashtray. Like a fucking do you know what I mean? Something Aye, like that. Like, a pair of pants lying there, man, a toothbrush. What the fuck's that? Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the, that store's been changed into a restaurant now, isn't it? Oh, it's vacant. It's thing. It was. It was a like an Italian buffet wow. place, like a weird fucking mammoth Italian buffet. But now that full raw shops there it used to be Top Man, Virgin Mega Store. It starts at the JD Sports now, yeah. and it's JD Sports. Then there's another empty unit, and then Sky around the corner where Buttons used to be. Retail's fucking aye. Retail's fucked, deep, mate. Turn That's... that into fucking hussies. I know. Got housing crisis, and we've got fucking a Peloton store on fucking Buchanan Street with no cunt in it. You know what I mean? It's mental. Anytime I used to go into your store, there used to be a bird that I always used to talk to. Like, friendly, banterous chat. It was never ever flirty or anything. In that Virgin Mega store? Aye. And I remember one time I walked in and there was a fire alarm going off, and obviously I was just completely oblivious to anything that was happening, but the noise was going off like a fucking siren, mm -hmm. and you were all like in a daisy chain standing at the door mm -hmm. like no letting anybody in and i walked in and she's obviously annoyed that cunts keep walking into the store like junkies <laughs> mm -hmm. and i've walked in and she's like full blown grab like fucking grabbed us and pulled pushed us out but i remember i thought we were pals like i thought we were pals <laughs> had a few, uh must have been about 16 or 17 oh, or something right, right, okay uh but i was like i'm Mate, sorry there's all sorts of mental shit happened in there no, even just with the staff, like CCTV footage of people shagging and all sorts that were staff. But we can wrap up on this. There was one time a guy got caught having a wank in the reggae section. Wow. Having a wank in the reggae section? Yeah. There was a woman that was a carer for multiple people who, you know, couldn't even go and do the job in Asda. That, 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 she used to just bring them in, put them on the listening stands and then go and fucking sit in the cost of coffee. It was she would be like basically having to take care of people. She's no fucking doing her job. And then there was this guy who was and he was a serial DVD buyer. He'd buy porn DVD and then bring it back because it was like an adult section. And there was one time he brought it back and there was a lump of shite on the disc. And it like choked in my fucking tongue there, man. <laughs> Literally. Like, the guy that was the store manager had to come down and was like, we can't accept that back. Because he'd like a 28-day return policy. Can't you just come in? There was a group of people that'd be there on a Monday morning for new release. 
would take DVDs, go away and come back the next day and return them. They were burning them and then it was the guys for the barras and all that. Nobody gave a fuck. You're like, who gives a fuck? It's Richard Branson. You know what I mean? But this guy would buy porn and return it and there was one time where we were like, there's a mark on that, mate. And it was, he was like, oh, I want my money back, I want my money back. And the store manager came down and went, that's shite. It was a lump of shite on the DVD. That's disgusting, man. And was he, I know you say don't judge a book by its cover, but was he asked me I asked? Oh, mate, it was, it, some people used to come into that shop and they would choke, you would choke on the smell of them. Aye. Coming in for like fucking, going up to like the gaming section for like weird, obscure fucking board games. They had that shit there. They had world music, which attracted fucking weirdos. Um, but this guy, he would literally, it was like a, an aura of like that sort of like, what's the chemicals in your pish? I know what you're talking about. Uh, no methane, that's your farts. But whatever, I can't, I can't fuck it. I can't think it. But, I know what you're talking uh, about. It's like cat piss, isn't it? Like that. Exactly like that. And he had like a thin layer of sweat all over his face. He had like that kind of flaky skin. Fucking barking, mate. And I returned a DVD, a porno DVD. He'd return them. And at one time it had a lump of shit on it. Imagine having the fucking... To even return a porn DVD, you'd rather just stick it in the bin, man. To have the goal. Aye. To be like... And you had to say, like, what's the reason for the return? And what did he say? Oh, fuck, I can't remember. I think I wa- would, I've watched it. Uh, I didn't like it. Yeah, that's what you could say. You could say, you could do that at a 20 day return policy, a bit of a business flaw, I think, but you could just go, I don't like it. And that that was one of the reasons on the till, was like, didn't like the product. That is crazy. Uh, quickly, I know before we wrap up, the guy that was having a wank in the reggae section, mm-hmm. uh, did you just catch him and uh, chuck him out? Ah, uh, he got caught. He was like staring over the top of the, the rack at a lassie that was working behind the counter. Ah. Uh. Mate, that, that wouldn't be that mental, if you know what I mean. There was all sorts, all See, that, sorts of shipment on in that, that place, That totally man. changes everything. I thought he was having a wank because, like, Bob Marley was playing. No, no, no. He was he was just there because he could see the towel for like, right. the reggae section on the ground floor. That's... Having a fucking pocket wank. A pocket wank, yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder what he's up to these days. <laughs> don't know <laughs> <laughs> him that set up the playstation look we did a wee bit extra today because we've had two weeks off and we know that you've missed daddies is that weird no i just called us daddies because <laughs> your daddies have missed you as well Um, that was episode 36 i just want to give a shout out to back on side again if anybody's struggling check them out samaritans anything like that i'm also doing therapy myself and I feel much better for it. So get in touch, Trips. That was episode 36. I'm going to say as well, see if you enjoy the podcast. Please review it and like it on Spotify. If you're in a WhatsApp group with your mates, get it shared and retweeted because it's keeping me and Paul alive. Next week, we've got a new sponsor. It's going to be Merchant City Medical. And I just want to thank everybody that listens to the podcast. It's really, really nice to be back. And I'm away to have a wank in the reggae section. <laughs> do you want to do a uh, Lucasaid mural dab? Um, to the shrine of... <laughs> <laughs> the shrine of Lucasaid. If my manager's no deed, she'll be like, I knew it was you, you cunt.